Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You have tuned in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. Connect with us for powerful, life-changing teaching and guest interviews that will inspire you with hope and equip you with the knowledge and skills needed to fulfill your destiny in the kingdom of God. Now, here is Glenn Blakeney. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Glenn Blakeney here, Kingdom Encounter Broadcast. We are live, and I know you guys are going to be extremely blessed tonight. We have a great topic that we're going to be exploring with uh, an incredible man of God. We're going to be looking at the topic of the apostolic with Dr. Larry Titus of Kingdom Global Ministries. I want to encourage you guys just to let us know where you're watching from. But, hey, would you just go ahead and share this broadcast? Let's get this broadcast out to as many people as possible I am telling you, this is going to be a powerful broadcast. You are going to be riveted. There's going to be a lot of revelation shared tonight. And you know, the scripture is clear that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We read that in Ephesians 2.20. 1 Corinthians 12.28 says that God is set in the church, first of all, apostles and secondarily prophets. And we want to look at that. What does it mean to build on the apostolic foundation? Many places in the world today, ministries, churches have been established and predicated really more along the lines of the pastoral model of ministry. And guys, there is a big difference. And you're going to learn more about that tonight if you're not already familiar with that. So my guest, as I mentioned, is Dr. Larry Titus of Kingdom Global Ministries. He's been in ministry, guys, for years, for over five decades. And I'm telling you, what he will be sharing tonight is going to just open your eyes and going to fire you up to be able to be step out and be used by the Lord to fulfill your destiny, your role, your purpose in the kingdom of God. So just before I introduce our guest, I just want to remind you of some of the information um, that some of you guys already know about, but some of you are not familiar. And that is we offer a monthly training course online and it's going to be starting on the 21st of July. So this is literally your last chance to sign up. We're looking at the topic of the apostolic as well as understanding the kingdom of God. This is the 
third, I'm sorry, the third Wednesday of every month from July to December, we offer this training. We have facilitators from all over the world. They're going to be helping roll this, these courses out absolutely free of charge. That's the amazing thing. So all you need to do if you're interested in signing up and being part of this is go to awakenations.org forward slash equip wakenations.org forward slash equip. We also have uh, something that is called the kingdom community. If you're looking for spiritual family, for covering, for connection, you just want to discipleship, you want to be part of some online prayer gatherings, we can connect you with people all over the world and even Kingdom Global Ministries, which you guys are going to learn more about tonight as well. So just go over to awakenations.org forward slash community and get more information there. And uh, I know you're going to you're going to really benefit from that as well. So thank you so much. Yeah, just go ahead. Blessings, everyone. Go ahead and share the broadcast, would you please? Go ahead, share. We want you to comment tonight. We want to hear from you. Come on, let's make this very much an interactive and exciting broadcast, and your input makes all the difference. As I said, our topic is the apostolic. You know, what is the role of apostles? Are there modern day apostles? What is the mean when the scripture talks about the church being built on the foundation of the apostles and and the role of the apostolic? It's going to be an incredible time. My guest is Larry Titus. He's been in full time ministry for over 55 years. In 2001, he completed over three decades of influential and innovative pastoral ministry in Washington, Texas, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. And he devoted himself exclusively to the mission of Kingdom Global Ministries, an organization that he founded in 1992. Listen to this. For decades, Larry has trained thousands of men and women to be effective in every facet of their lives, including their marriages, their ministries, their families. He's equipped literally thousands of leaders across dozens of nations in the world. Uh, his commitment to global missions and has seen thousands of churches established, schools, orphanages, Bible schools um, being sustained on every continent. Larry Titus is the author of an incredible book. I want to encourage you to get it. You can buy it online and on Amazon, The Telios Man. Great book, guys. I know uh, for those you men in particular, you're going to really benefit from reading that. So Kingdom Global Ministries, you're going to hear more about the mission and the ministry that God has entrusted to my guest, Larry Titus. So without any further ado, we bring him on to the program. Hello there, Larry. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm really excited about this broadcast, uh, a little bit biased here tonight because of our <laughs> our connection and our relationship. And I have gleaned so much from you. Um, right. Really, I remember years ago, your materials on the apostolic, and that really um, was very, very helpful to me in a time of formation and where I was just trying to get definition in terms of the apostolic calling. So. So we're going to talk about that tonight, but 
Uh, I just wanted you to share a bit about Kingdom Global Ministries. Why did you start Kingdom Global Ministries? Tell us about yeah. Kingdom Global. Uh, and actually, the vision for it started at our first church, our first congregation, 1968. Uh, I started a church in Washington State, 1968. Uh, and in 1969, after having started from scratch, it was still scratching. And I thought, oh, this is not right. So I went to the Lord in prayer. Uh, face down in this little Cascade town called Wenatchee, Washington, in uh, the very uh, foothills of the Cascades. And uh, and uh, we went there. I mean, the town is only 19,000 plus more in the on the other side of the Columbia River. So very, very small town. We started from scratch. 1969, I was on my face on the floor, on the platform. This little church is seated 220 people, and we had a few dozen in it. The Lord does, and I began to say to the Lord, uh, I've, I've tried everything that I know to do to build your church. And I heard the Lord, an audible voice of the Lord, and he spoke to me for, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, I have no idea. But uh, he said, uh, I said, I've done everything I know to build your church. And he said, I didn't ask you to build my church. I asked you to build the kingdom of God. Huh. And he began a Bible study with me that was similar to that of the road to Emmaus, the two guys. Yeah. Cleopas is the one man that we know. The other man's identity is not known. Uh, evidently, he wasn't the one asking the questions, but uh, uh, Jesus started this Bible study, and he said, I'll reveal myself everything uh, from the from the Torah and from the prophets. And then later that night said, I will tell the disciples everything, the entire Tanakh, I'll tell it to you. Wow. So Jesus, starting with the Torah and going all the way through, explained himself. So Jesus gave me a Bible study, and he said, uh, he said, do you ever preach on the church? He asked me that question. I said, oh, yes, Lord, all the time. He said, I rarely did. I said, okay. Uh, he said, do you ever preach on the kingdom? Uh, do you ever preach on the kingdom of God? Um, I don't think I have, but I'm a young preacher. He said, I always did. And he brought to my attention the fact that he mentioned the word church only two times, but the kingdom of God are mentioned about 200 times in the Gospels. Wow. So um, uh, Debbie and I began to invite people not to church. We only invited them to the king. So we left the four walls, went out to the parks, into the drug dens and the taverns, and everywhere there were youth that were lost and told them that somebody loved him. And he was the king of the kingdom. His name was Jesus. We never invited him to church, but they all started wanting to come to where we had church. So in our home, we had a three-split level home, but it was the basement and then the first level, the second level three separate levels and uh, teenagers were getting saved on one level, delivered from demons on another level, filled with the Holy Spirit on the other level. <laughs> so the first two years we had about a thousand teenagers saved in the first oh, two wow. years and then all of their relatives. And then that church began to explode. Wow. Um, I had a choir of nearly 150 teenagers that were all, most of them saved right off the streets. And so we just took them as they were, you know, and sometimes it was kind of embarrassing how they were. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. <laughs> the altar calls were interesting to say the least yeah. as they responded, but they would fill that church up. They sat down the aisles, they sat on the floor, they sat in the front. I remember even one summer, all the windows being open because the people couldn't get in the building. So we went from one building to another building to another building. In 1972, we were invited by Youth with a Mission to take my choir to the Munich Olympics. Oh, wow. And so I took my choir there. We were the group that would draw the crowds on the Marian plots, and then they would preach the gospel. So they used us as the evangelistic tool, which started a pattern. Year after year, we would evangelize for one month during the summer using just teenagers and young people. 
and it started a pattern. So uh, that that is what I began to learn. If we would build the kingdom of God, God would build the church. Huh. But we're concentrating on the wrong thing, and we're trying to get people into the building when God's trying to get people out of the building. Huh. So I really value the corporate gatherings, and I value the worship. Right. But I never get to see as a preacher. I would never even get to see the people that I'm called to. Because right. if they don't come into my building, I never get to see them. There was one... Uh, uh, one of our last churches that we pastored in Pennsylvania, I took a missions trip and I said, while I'm gone to the administrator, I said, I want you to move my office out of the church to an office complex and don't tell anybody who I am. And uh, about a couple of blocks away from the church, there was an office complex. And I'll never forget the first night unpacking my books, the guy that got saved at that moment. I married then he and the woman that he was with. I married him subsequently later. Uh, the most profound couple getting saved, build the Holy Spirit, all because I moved out of the church building so I could be the church. Yeah. So the kingdom of God is what we do. The church is who we are, and it definitely is not a building. So wow. that's what started me on this kingdom mentality. Seek first the kingdom of God. Pray daily the kingdom of God. The first, the last, and the only message of Jesus. He had none other. Yeah. So in hey. every town and village, he preached on the kingdom. Wow, that's powerful. So say that again. The kingdom of God is what we do, and the church is who we are. Is that what you say? That's correct. That's wow. correct. We're not a building. We're a, we are a body. Hmm. We are yeah. his body. We are the church, the ecclesia. We've been called out, but it is a public calling out, and that's where the most effective ministry is in the public. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, and and so right, you know, I I love um, the emphasis that that you place on the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus called the gospel of the kingdom. That's right. And uh, I love the fact that Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom is to be preached throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think a lot of a lot of um, even even today, a lot of ministers, a lot of people in general, believers, really right. don't understand what the gospel of the kingdom is. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it is. Whenever you read the gospels, if you will, just kind of, you need a frontal lobotomy. Get rid of the church concept yeah. of getting people into the building and, and replace it with the concept of, of reaching every business, every home, every uh, facet of society out in the world. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what God has called us to pursue. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I heard someone say uh, to, to the church, Jesus says, go to, to the world. He says, come, you know, meaning come into, come to him, to himself. And, uh, and you, you've talked about that. So when we, we look at Ephesians, <laughs> 4, 11, and 12, and we read uh, about the Ascension ministry there, or fivefold, as it's sometimes mm -hmm. described. Mm -hmm. um, what is your take on the purpose of the fivefold ministries? Well, I think that the Lord is identifying, uh, that Paul is identifying facets of leadership, uh, and he mentions them uh, for us to, to, uh, to understand, but that's not the only place that he mentions them, but the purpose of them we really need the entire chapter to catch the picture. Okay. The whole purpose of these leaders is not just to equip them to do the work of the ministry or to provide the tools. The purpose is that we would grow up into Christ hmm. so that we grow up into him who is the head. So the, the purpose is just, it's more than just giving you classes on how to get mature. Yeah. 
you know, so that you can move into the maturity of Jesus so that we, the body of Christ, would be as mature as our head. Right. So right now we've got a big head and a little body. Okay. And the only way that that will change is that if we subscribe to the fact that God wants to give maturity to the body and he has put people in the body that will help us to come into that facet of maturity, starting with the apostolic and prophetic. Yeah. That's great. And it's so true because, you know, I, I've been saying that for a while myself and uh, even recently re-emphasizing that, you know, underscore the maturation of the saints, you know, to the to conform to his image and likeness, the fullness of the stature of Christ Jesus. Right. And what would that look like if uh, we all, every believer came to that place? You know, yeah. you, the, the whole teleos, the 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 aspect of the completion this yeah. the maturity yeah powerful i think it starts at our marriages by the way not in the church mm. it starts at the marriages that's where it is worked out in detail in specifics and in reality where love has to be the foundation and selflessness the motivation mm. it's so good and yeah and you know that's that's the reality of the truth. Even when Paul talks in, in to Timothy about the uh, prerequisites or the requirements of a of an overseer, a bishop, you know, he, yeah. he talks about that, doesn't he? I mean, today we, we disregard that often. Yeah. yeah, he mentions it twice, actually, in Timothy and Titus. Same exact qualifications, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know that you and, and Debbie uh, wrote a book on strong leaders living together. Why don't you tell us yes, about that? I was curious if any of you that are watching this right now have a strong leader that you married. <laughs> if that is the case, I will be selling a lot of books tonight. <laughs> uh, I believe that if we understood these principles, and I'll just mention that quickly, we have, uh, and you can get it in the Teleos book as well, which means the complete man, complete is the Greek word, of our, is Teleos the Greek word for complete. The perfect man having nothing to add, noting that that begins with your salvation when you receive his righteousness, then changing your behavior to comport with your identity. But in the book, uh, when strong leaders live together, or when leaders live together, um, the, this is a book that is uh, more than just one chapter like in the other one. And it's the entire book and it's written by both of us, he says, she says. It's actually called that in Portuguese that it was first published down there. It's called He Says, She Says. Oh, wow. And, uh, and uh, so the issue is for us to understand how to complement each other's calling and ministry, yet there's only one head, and it's the husband. It's a gender issue, but leadership is a personality issue. So if you understand that both of you are leaders, but only one is the head. So that's the that's the purpose for the book, When Leaders Live Together. So it is, it's really very eye-opening because I've, I've never heard a message on it. I, I hear a lot of things that kind of equate, like they're synonyms, like headship and leadership are synonyms, but they're not. Because you're going to be a great leader and not be a good head, or you could be a, a good head and you're just a mediocre leader, but together with your wife, you're a great leader. So you complement each other rather than uh, compete with each other. So hmm. it's really amazing revelation that is found in the book to show you the distinction between headship and leadership. Uh, headship is non-negotiable. It's a gender issue. Leadership is a personality trait. And that is um, that extends itself to both husband and the wife. 
and they they between their gifts are able to work out which is better to do this and which is better to do that. So it's wow. it's a very enlightening book. Yeah, yeah. It shows it shows two um, animal skins on the front. The one is a cheetah. It's like a little jacket where part of the jacket where you're going to zip it up is a cheetah. The other one is a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or an alligator. Who cares? It's just that same kind of that kind of a um, design. But whenever you zip it together, it makes a great jacket. And my wife is sort of like the cheetah, and I'm sort of like the three-toed sloth. And, <laughs> <laughs> and together, we do just great. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's powerful. And I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, you, you touch on this because. We do not hear a lot about this. We we have a lot of guests on the broadcast. We talk about a myriad of topics and and extensively on the apostolic and the prophetic, but I've right. never had anyone comment on the really the the primary emphasis of fivefold and apostolic prophetic, bringing us to that place of the fullness of the stature of Christ, and uh, and starting in the family. Look. Man, in the right. mar in our marriage, that is so critical. Right. And you know, I know Lynn and I, um, we've been married for um, over thirty years, and mm -hmm. we uh, we got married. We were teenagers, and I can say mm -hmm. that when we got married, obviously a lot of things that we didn't know about each other, and uh, exactly. like everyone. And throughout the yep. years, as we have grown, not only uh, together but also in leadership. You know, God has really helped us to understand each other. So, um, but I'm looking forward to getting that book. I highly yeah. recommend it. I want to mention one more thing is that in marriage, in marriage, there's the same same exact principle. Now, it doesn't fit government or it doesn't fit other military. It doesn't fit any other place. But because marriage is the only thing that looks like Jesus in the church, is a guy is called the wife to grow up into the husband. This uh -huh. is called the man to grow up into Christ. I know both of them grew up into Christ, but I'm just saying when it down in the actual physical relationship of a marriage where you work out all the details of your lives, according to the word of God, where she treats you as Jesus and you treat her as the church, sacrificing and dying and serving and cathartically cleansing her by your positive edifying words. And at this, at, while she is growing up into maturity in you, and you are growing up into maturity into Christ, speaking the truth in love, we all are going to grow up. If it does not work in your home, it's not going to work in the church. I don't care how big a church you you, you um, pastor or lead. Yeah. If it doesn't work in your home, it's not going to work. It's not going to work, and it will have no firm foundation. And the home is the most beautiful, basic example of the true, the most pure form of the true church is in the home. And that's why it all began in the New Testament in the home. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, you know, that's great. Ephesians 5. Yeah, no, very good. And we we definitely need to uh, emphasize that because we've got so many people that are really struggling uh, in their relationship while they're in ministry, you know, and, and uh, sometimes it, it's iffy if they're going to make it or not. But ultimately, we know there's some principles there that uh, they fail. People fail to get a hold of. So, yeah, yeah, that's powerful. Okay, so regard what you said earlier about um, being the church and the church that is on mission, the ecclesia, in the public place. You know, we we just 
coming out of COVID-19, there's some places in the world where people are still under lockdown and churches right. aren't meeting. Right. But what, what would you say to the church in general? You know, what, what have we learned or should we have learned from COVID-19? And well, what would be better? The church. This is not a surprise to God. Yeah. Uh, I think that what God did was remove our um, reliance on a building. I think that's one of the greatest things that ever happened so that he can get us back to the place where we're back to the basic minimum, which is the true, the true churches in the homes. That's where it starts and it needs to grow from there. A lot of people that plant churches start by renting buildings. They start by, you know, some kind of a, uh, some kind of a, um, an arrangement that is a, uh, that is bigger and, you know, can hold a lot of people. But but it's got to start in the home. If it does not start in the home, it does not start with relationship. And that is the most pure form of the church. So I think the COVID, uh, and you've got, you've got at least half the people have not returned. I was in a, a church of 4,000 just one week ago. 4,000 people before COVID, 1,400 now. Wow. Large church. Yeah. And uh, I think that that is the story everywhere, including yeah. global but I, I think that it's forcing people to have a relationship with Jesus, starting in their home, not relying on the preacher. As good as that is, they cannot they cannot have a crutch. They they, you know, God has no grandsons. You're either a son of God or you're not. And for people to have a relationship that is not religiously related to the fix that they get when they go on Sunday morning, and many of them are going through withdrawals because they didn't get their Sunday fix. Uh, you're going to have to rely upon you and the Holy Spirit in prayer and the reading of the Word of God and be the priest of your home and, and you take initiative because that is the true church. And then as God brings back together people to get together, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. We really miss the times that we were having those corporate times. We miss those times. Right. I pray that they happen, but I think God is doing surgery on the church in the interim. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I completely concur with that. And, you know, one of the things that um, COVID-19 exposed was the, the fractures in the family, yes. in the marriage and, and right. in different ways, in our character even. So, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, th that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the aspect of, of what Jesus, we call the Great Commission, where Jesus told us to go. And uh, for many years, uh, you know, it's been about going to the church and or coming to church as time we start becoming the church and going out. So um, that's a huge thing. What what do you think the church is going to look like in the next few years? Oh, I believe in revival. <laughs> I, I will never stop believing in revival. I think it's precipitated by prayer and sustained by prayer, established by prayer. I think that God does nothing without prayer. And I look forward to the coming years. I believe it's going to be very youth-oriented. I believe it's going to be carried on the shoulders of the youth. They are they will be fearless, and they don't care what anybody says. They're going to preach the gospel. Um, the youth, you know, they're they're just technically brilliant. Right. You know, they may, they may not have the same system of values we have, but once the Holy Spirit gets to them, he can do overnight. Well, we couldn't even do it in a lifetime. Yeah. I'm very, very confident that a confident of our sons and daughters will prophesy and our young men will have visions. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, I've, I've met some uh, young as, aspiring leaders, emerging leaders is a better way to say it, um, particularly in Australia that I'm connected with that these guys, man, they are preaching a strong word, a pure word. Um, holy you know, they're just really stepping into that. And, and so it's encouraging to see that because, you know, the, the prognosis of course, is that, um, because of postmodernism and so on, that that we are not going to um, uh, recover those values uh, that mm. the previous generations have held fast to. But I, I don't I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that either, because a lot of those are called traditions, and they make of none effect the word of God. So I think the Holy Spirit, if you rely on the Holy Spirit, He will teach you, guide you into all truth. That is a promise that Jesus gave to us. And I believe it. I believe it. You know, uh, we get so much of our, our teaching confused and think that it's up to us to take them to the, the 10, whatever, you know, yeah. theological points that we have written down. Come on, and yeah. Says, yeah. Get them back to a relationship. Get them back to a relationship. Yeah. And they're going to do since they have nothing to hang on except Jesus. That's, that's all they have. All right. That is so good. That is so true, you know, because it, you, like you said, the Holy Spirit is God and Jesus that will lead us into all truth. So get people connected to the Holy Spirit, and yeah, they will. So um, we, I mentioned her in the beginning of the program. We're going to talk about the apostolic, and and we, I guess we have, but we've been hitting on some really um, significant uh, issues yeah. here. But let's just talk a little bit about the apostolic. I know this isn't something uh, new. You've been talking about this for years and and uh, giving definition to the apostolic. And so, so basically, um, the apostolic versus the kind of conventional pastoral world. What's, what's some of the differences? Yeah, I just um, finished a chapter in the new book. I have a book called Lead Differently, Discover How Leading Like Jesus Can Work for You. will be coming out in two weeks. Oh, awesome. Uh, which is the entire leadership principles that are in the life of Jesus. Fifteen chapters of what Jesus did that is totally different than what we do today and completely opposite of the business model. Oh, wow. So Lead Differently will be out in two weeks. I'm okay. starting a new book on the Kingdom Keys, and I'll explain that Jesus did not give the, us the keys to the church. He gave the church the keys to the kingdom of God. We don't have any keys to the church. Only Jesus does, but we don't have them. So I was praying a year ago, Lord, if you gave us the keys to the kingdom, I wonder what they are. So I felt the Lord speaking to me about the 10 keys that I felt are that completely uh, exposed in the gospel uh, in the Gospels that are absolutely necessary for the church to reach all 195 nations and seven and a half billion people. Wow. So uh, I wrote those down. And the first one is, and you would think it would be the kingdom. No, that's the second one. Build <laughs> <laughs> on the kingdom, not on the church. The first one is build on apostles and prophets. Mm. Now, if you look at the statistics, which I did statistics, and they're in the new book. They'll be coming out, I don't know, sometime when I finish. I'm in the fifth chapter now, but you know, I got 10 keys, so that tells you how much I got left to do. But in the in the first key, to show, I've, I've shown you the statistics of the church in America and the church at large. Right. Uh, since Jesus prayed in John 17, 21, 
that we would be in unity, we now have 45,000 denominations in the world, 45,000 splits and divisions. I know of one church on the West Coast that one church alone has split 42 times. Wow. 42 times, one church. That is not church growth. That is not church growth. Then out of the 1,000 churches we start in America every year, 4,000 close. Uh, 1.5 million, that means half of all the youth in churches right now will not be coming back this fall whenever school starts. 1.5 million, half of your youth. That means that one out of every two of your youth that you had last year will not be there here this year. The statistics are appalling. The statistics are dismal. You would think with the mega churches, it really becomes a smokescreen covering up the fact that the Titanic is sinking. Yeah. And we're just rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Hmm. When in fact, the mega churches don't grow by people getting saved. There's only one church in America that grows more by people getting saved than by attrition growth, which means people left other churches. Right. So right. the 4,000 people that we added just came from about four different churches in the area here. Yeah. Salvations. So the church is that re- that can that does not reflect. There's only one church in America that grows by, more by people getting saved than by attrition. That means all the others, if there is growth, it came not from people getting saved. So the far majority of churches have not had one person saved in the last many, many years. Not one person. So the church in America has been growing uh, uh, darker and uh, danker and more dead. And you can see them everywhere now. Church buildings are for sale. You can buy them anywhere in any area. You can buy church buildings that are now empty. Yeah. Uh, my um, conclusion to this is we built on the wrong foundation. God never said to build on the foundation of pastors. Now, pastors are precious, precious, precious people. Right. They love sheep. They have the smell, of, the smell of sheep on them. I can't think of anything better than pastors and their love for sheep. But the Bible doesn't say to build on them. So if I were to tell you, name apostles in the New Testament. In addition to the 12, you could probably name 11. Huh. If I were to ask you to name prophets, you could give me several names and you could uh-huh. indicate to me Acts 13 where... And the five leaders that are mentioned in Acts 13, they're part apostles and part teachers. So both are in the church. So we know multiple past prophets were in the church of Antioch. Right. If I were to ask you the evangelist, you can tell me one by name. His name is Philip. Right. And you could tell me that his daughters prophesied. So maybe they were prophetesses, but they were right. prophets. And you can mention Agabus as a prophet as well. But as it relates to evangelists, Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So we can assume he probably was. Uh, then we can go to teachers. And again, teachers are mentioned several places in the New Testament, including the Church of Antioch, Acts 13, 1. And then we have Priscilla, Aquila. Then we have Apollos. And uh, we know that there are uh, teachers in the New Testament church, and we can name names. Name me one pastor mentioned in the New Testament. So I don't want to put you or anybody on the spot, but you can't name one because there's none mentioned in the New right. Testament. Right. The only the word pastor is mentioned only once, Ephesians 4.11. All the other times it is translated poimain, which means shepherd. Right. So it's really the same thing, means to pasture or to feed the flock. Yeah. So 
you have that <clears throat> one mentioned according to the translators of the King James crew in 1611, uh, the one the one person he put in charge of Ephesians 4, 11, decided not to stick with Poimane shepherd and put another word pastor. And we've coined that word and used it from the Greek and the Latin and coined it today. Yeah. I'd like it to, I'd like to think of it less than an office, but I can't think of it that way. But I want to think of it as a calling that every single one of the ministries, the Ascension Gifts has. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you're an apostle, you don't have the shepherd, heart of a shepherd. I don't know what you're doing there. Right. If you're a yep. prophet, you don't love the sheep. What are you doing? If you're an evangelist, don't love the sheep. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody doing the work of the ministry and doesn't like sheep. Yeah. You're in the wrong calling or profession. In fact, it's a it's a terrible profession, but a great calling. So I believe that the pastor has, we've been building on the pastor, though the Bible doesn't say to. So when it says first, that means first. Corinthians 12, 28, when it says first, it means first. When it mentions Ephesians 4, 11, it's first. When it's talked about in Ephesians 2, 20, it says first. So I think we just maybe should consider, if we want to see the church transformed in America, consider the apostolic ministry. Now understand that even back 2,000 years ago, there were false apostles as there are today. I just ran into one of them a couple days ago. This man is pure, pure evil, calls himself as an apostle, brings people into bondage, brings them into sin, brings them into uh, the mystic things of the unholy spirit, and he calls himself an apostle. We've got these today. We've got false prophets today. We've got false counterfeit gifts today. We've got counterfeit everything today, including money. But if there's a counterfeit, there means a real, because you wouldn't be able to counterfeit something that was not worth something. Right. So there has got to be, if there's a shadow, there's a person or an object. There is a counterfeit, there's the real. And you find it in the New Testament, it means sent. Doesn't mean a mega church. Doesn't mean with somebody with a big budget. It means somebody who has been sent so whether you're sent to 25 people or 25,000 has nothing to do with the number of people you're reaching. Were you sent? Then I encourage people, don't use the word. Of, and the reason I tell them that is because everybody wants to go for whatever the biggest bait there is. So I tell them, why don't, start, why don't you start your epistles with a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Right. <laughs> so I encourage people, don't lean on your title, lean on your calling. Right. If you have been called, God will then provide the anointing, the revelation, the direction, the vision. Yeah. But don't use your title to get ahead or to make yourself positioned as if you're part of a hierarchy. Sure. You are not. The Bible says you are laid down on the foundation of apostles and prophets on the foundation of Jesus. It means you don't get up, you get down. If you're a true apostle, you probably won't need to tell me because I'll know it. If you're a true prophet, you probably don't need to tell me because I'll know it. Because you don't have to prove who you are. You only have to prove who you're not. So whenever these individuals carry that anointing, it is not self-congratulatory or self-aggrandizing or self-promotional for you to say, I am. I'm sorry, but I don't tell a lot of people. But God, by the Holy Spirit, called me and sent me as surely as he called Saul um, and as he called Barnabas in Acts chapter 13, right. the spirit said, and I responded yeah. and others affirmed that not me. If you're the only one that affirms that I doctor called, 
Right. But other people know that you are. My point is not to say you can't use the word apostle mm-hmm. to identify who you are. You need to recognize who you are, whatever it is. And if you're not, you better not recognize it because you're not. But if you truly have been sent and called by God, the, the title is not the issue. Don't use it in any self-promotion whatsoever. Let it be proven, Paul said, by signs and wonders and by patience, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. So he said the apostolic ministry it was proven here by signs and wonders and by great patience. Even if you have signs and wonders, do you have the patience? If you have the patience, do you have the signs and wonders? So I believe that God has called prophetic apostolic ministries more so in this day than ever in the history of the world. And everywhere, God is smearing them with the oil of authenticity. Now, Jesus said in John 5, 31, if I bear witness of myself, it is invalid. So make sure that this is not self-promotional, but a calling, because you will have to answer to God. If you call yourself a prophet, Jeremiah 23, and you're not, and God didn't send you, you're in a heap of trouble. Repent. Immediately. Repent. And the greatest... The greatest office or the greatest gift in the New Testament is not apostolic and prophetic, but is serving. When Jesus came, it doesn't call him an apostle until he ascended the book of Hebrews. He's not called that before, but he does say many times, I was sent, I was sent, and I was sent, and I sent you, and I sent you. And as soon as he took the 12 and sent them, their name changed, Matthew 12, from disciples to apostles. The sentness is what makes the difference. But if God has called you, no need to be apologetic. Just fulfill the calling and let God take care of the promotion. So Jesus said, the word validates me. The works validate me. The Father validates me. And John the Baptist, God will use some John the Baptist in your life to speak from heaven to earth through an earthly vessel. God said, send, and we were sent. And then the next chapter of Acts, chapter 14, says they were called apostles. It's the sentness that designates the person. So going back to the original contention, I think the church would be in a different position today had we built on apostles and prophets. Because the pastors are trying to get a bigger building and more people, and apostles are trying to bring down the strongholds of Satan, take cities and countries and nations and principalities and put them under their feet. The pastor's trying to have coffee with his buddies on Monday And and that sounds like diminishing, but it's not meant to be. It's meant to say that the difference in vision is geographical, is authority that brings down the principalities like Paul did in Acts 19 with the Ephesians. It literally, Satan, whenever he knows somebody has been sent into that area, his work is finished because the apostolic will not finish until his work has been destroyed and uh, whenever you whenever you put the put the enemies of Jesus under your feet and turn the kingdoms of darkness to the kingdoms of light, that is the calling of the apostolic. Romans 15, all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have built on no other man's foundation, and I have not failed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apostles build and lay foundations. That's powerful. Wow. I think everybody needs to go back and hear that again. <laughs> There's a lot there. Looking can forward I, to it. Can I just mention one more thing? Church planting yeah. is a big deal right now. I, I want to encourage all of those that are quote unquote church planting, make sure that there is sentness in who you're sending. Yeah. Because if it is not, you'll spend a lot of money and bring them home 
with terrible disillusionment and a sense of failure. Oh, so true. Or they could have been a great accountant, or they could have been a great servant in the church, or if you. But if you call them because you want to add more notches to your belt, plant more churches. Unless that person was called and sent by the Holy Spirit, it will fail. Yeah. If they have been sent by the Holy Spirit, they can call themselves a ditch digger and it will succeed because God will kiss it. Because if they have been sent, then the Holy Spirit's anointing is obligated to be there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen that so many times, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. Okay. So missionaries, missionaries, they had yeah. an altruistic desire to do something good. And that is okay if it's in the medical field or helping people. Right. But if God has called you, then go. But if he has not called you, stay home because he will admit a lot of people, including the one that was not sent by the Holy Spirit. So anyway, good. Yeah. And um, what, like we said, the sign of an apostle in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, yeah. with the signs and yeah. wonders and the great patience. When yeah. you go into a new region and you break things open because you're a true apostle, that's with it. the signs and wonders and that patience, that perseverance that you need to be able to yeah. see that happen. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, you know, we've got obviously different people that um, are right now. I mean, as you said, there are so many people that have still not um, reconnected to church that were attending a church regularly prior to COVID-19. I'm not talking about those who were not. Um, and, and they're not, and things are really changing. We meet people all the time who are like, they're just not going to church. And, mm -hmm. and so they love the Lord and, and they just said, I, we just can't go and sit and, and do nothing. You they don't know? want to be spectators anymore. Yeah, exactly. So why don't you speak into that? I mean, what do we do with oh, these people? Yeah. Well, unfortunately that's the responsibility of the head of the church. Because it's his church, so if they're in their home and they're ministering to their family, they're in church. Right. Uh, this is another misnomer that is a very serious thing that comes out of Constantine in the fourth century, where we take a building and uh, name it a church, and uh, they named it originally a basilica, which means right. a palace. But uh, we take a building called a church and then say, "Come to the church," which is unfortunate because there's no building in the in the New Testament that is called the church; only the people. Yeah. So I can't go to church. I am the church. I can go to a building, but I can't go to a church because I am right. the church, as one pastor said to me. We've had a lot of people leave our church and go to your church. And I said, that's impossible. I don't have a church and you don't have a church. Uh, so they can't leave one. There's only one church in the city and it belongs to Jesus. He's the head. I'm not the head. Yeah. People can go in and out and, and find pasture. Uh, that's what Jesus said. I didn't say that. Uh, but Jesus said they could go in and out and find pasture, but we have shut the doors of the church. We bless people coming in and we curse them going out. Uh, it's a strange thing. It is a strange thing, which we have then made the division in the body of Christ greater. Wow. I say, Wait, it's not my church in the first place. So, yeah. you know, and another preacher may bless you more than I do. Go there. Yeah. You can, you can get more blessed. You can do more in that church. There's more opportunities. So, yeah. uh, I think that we need to change our mentality uh, for those that used to and don't, I believe that there's going to be a great gathering together. We do need right. consider doing it in your home. Yeah. If you cannot get back to that building, consider having worship and praise and the word and minister to each other. More yeah. can be accomplished in a home group in, a, in one home group 
than it can be in listening to a sermon for a hundred years. And I'm not opposed to that because I think that I value very highly that gathering together. And we have some profound, powerful ministries, but don't wait for a, one to get started when you got your home. And yeah. uh, let that let that fellowship begin. Start start inviting unbelievers, or starting by inviting people that are like-minded with you, and, and uh, let there be a ministry flow out of that place. Because your home is the church, because you are there. Yeah. So where two or three gather, Jesus will be there. And if you got you and your wife and one more person, you got it made. Yeah. Oh, that's so. Yeah, and and it's happening all over the place. That's right. Yeah. I, I spoke with someone recently and uh, they mentioned, you know, for a long time, we've been attending such and such a, a mega church. And yeah. um, but we're in a season now where we're just so hungry for the Lord and we really want to yeah. uh, encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Absolutely. is what they, they were yes. talking about. And they they were saying that they're finding it outside of the, uh, exactly. you know, the, the religious institution in the homes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think that God isn't finished with the corporate gathering. I don't believe that for a minute. Right. But it may, whenever we get back into the foundation of apostles and prophets, you may need to rent a stadium. Yeah. To fit the, the believers in the city. Um, yeah. I, I think it's very, very important. They met publicly and from house to house. But the publicly they met was in Solomon's portico, which became a place of prayer. But they always had a public forum somewhere that became part of their uh, corporate expression. So if we can start again with a fresh ministry of the church, I've often wondered, Glenn, in these closing moments, I've often wondered why that that the church, that the uh, church of Jesus Christ cannot sustain more than a few centuries in any given country without it turning into cold, morbid death. So that we don't have a church in Europe that's vibrant. We don't have a church. It's just secular. It is more than secular. It is demonic. Right. Or England, some of the most demonic things. Yet England had revival. Or Wales that had revival at the turn of the past century that preceded the Azusa Street revival, the Welsh revival. All of these things, I've wondered, why, does it, why can't it sustain more than a few hundred years, whether it is the birthplace of the Reformation in Germany, whether well, it's the birthplace of, of the Pentecostal, why is it that we can have yeah. fire for a season and turn it into a memorial and then turn it into complete, complete death? And I think it's because we're building on wrong foundations. Huh. Uh, so I go back to that point. I believe that in the last, in fact, if you book it, here, read the book of Revelation, it will talk about the prophetic, the prophetic, the prophetic, the prophetic, all the way through. Right. All the way through the prophetic, meaning people that are going to be hearing God's voice. Yeah, God's. I, it, it is not people that are just standing around saying, "Thus saith the Lord." You know, I had a goosebump and I, I feel God. It's people who are hearing and speak, yeah. speak exactly what they heard. First yeah. Peter four eleven, and I believe in these days it's going to happen. So anyway, I'm encouraged. Wow, that's awesome. So okay, so in just very practically. Speaking, yeah. you know, and um, we've got this huge paradigm shift that's happening right now. The Lord is working um, and bringing a, a reformation, really, which is recalibration back right. to, to the apostolic prophetic foundations. Right, exactly. And which is not just bringing people into a building for gatherings, but 
yeah. equipping and seeing people um, come yes. into the, you know, maturity, as you That's mentioned. Right. That's and then also their place in terms of being activated with their calling and their gifts yes. and their assignments. Everybody, everybody, God, if God shows you, everybody is a minister. If God shows you, you have a ministry. I don't care if it's in a school or marketplace or store function in your ministry, because that is your pulpit. Yeah. And, and we've made it uh, for centuries. We've made it all about the gathering on the weekend, for example, all the money that is spent on the budget on going into that gathering. And, and very few people are being activated um, in, in what they're called to do and, mm -hmm. and coming into, into that place of maturity in Christ as well. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I want to uh, just let our viewers know about your um, your new book in particular, but also the the Teleos Man. Um, but and and also, I know you have some exciting upcoming events. Um, just if you can hey, tell us, yeah. about those. just make sure that you go to kingdomglobal.com and you can get all of that information. Kingdomglobal.com. I know you're shocked that I would use the word Kingdom Global <laughs> in our ministry. But I can think of nothing else. Jesus preached in every village, uh, every village, Matthew 4, 23, Matthew 9, 35, every village on the kingdom of God. It was the only message he had. It's the only message I have. And uh, if you go online to kingdomglobal.com, you'll see about the books. Debbie has an incredible book called The Home Experience. Unbelievable book. Thousands of them. Uh, Debbie has tremendous, you need to meet Debbie, by the way, you, you have to meet her, go online, you don't just meet Debbie, you experience Debbie, Yeah. then go online and uh, see her books, The Home Experience, she is reaching hundreds of thousands of women, Yeah. a recent post had one million views, wow. one million views, she's reaching a lot of women. Yeah, I saw uh, that. The Italian man means the, the complete man, so the very first chapter is on your righteousness in Jesus, you're perfect already. The other chapters are what you need to do to get your behavior to parallel and to comport with your identity. <laughs> so number one shows you who you are really special. The other chapters say, this is what you need to do to be really special. Then the book lead differently. Whenever, whenever, excuse me, the word, the, the book on, uh, on marriage, that is when strong leaders, when leaders live together. Uh, very, very good where she and I talk together. Lead Differently will be out in about two weeks, but you can go online and uh, order it now. And then my next book hopefully will be finished within a matter of six months or so. And that is, that's on the 10 keys, Kingdom Keys. Wow. So that's yeah, it. That, wow. Amazing. Yeah. In November, some stuff going on in November. 12 and 13. I want everybody there. I want to tell everybody that is watching right now, if November 12th and 13th, you don't come to Dallas for the Teleos Men Summit and the Night Division, uh, I doubt that you will go to heaven. I just want everybody to know that <laughs> it is a very serious thing. November 12th and 13th. We want you there. Men's Summit begins on the night of November 12th at the Omni Mandalay Hotel in Las Colinas, Dallas, Irving. And, uh, and then on, it is over on 1 p.m. on Saturday. Then Saturday night, 6 p.m. is the night of vision, how we are strategically plotting the kingdom move of God through 195 nations. So we would really love to have you. It doesn't matter if you know us or not. Come on, you'll, you'll meet us and you'll love us. In fact, you'll probably be overwhelmed and want to move to Dallas. But anyway, just to let you know, just go online, 
kingdomglobal.com. And we want to get acquainted with you too. So send us your information. Yeah. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Really appreciate what you had to share tonight. And uh, we're going to make sure this message gets uh, disseminated widely because it's uh, very critical in the season in which we live. So, hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and being part of this broadcast. Glenn Blakeney and my guest has been Larry Titus of Kingdom Global Ministries. Please check out their website, all the resources, different ways you can connect. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys again next Thursday night. I'll be back. Have a powerful testimony uh, with a guest. You're going to love this uh, next Thursday night as well. 8 p.m. Central time. Blessings. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. To learn more about us, including how to connect to our kingdom community, please visit our website, awakenations.org. Again, that website address is awakenations.org. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can receive powerful, life-changing teaching. We appreciate that effort, and we hope you'll join us again in the next episode of Kingdom Encounter. I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.